0: And welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us imagining, get us curious, and get us connected. Joining me today is Jennifer Moses. She is an author, a painter, and all-around brilliant mind. She is an engaging artist with has a really sharp eye for giving us glimpses into worlds and deeper perspectives of the characters in those worlds. Her work has been published in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. Welcome, Jennifer. I'm so glad you're joining me today.
1: I'm even gladder. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. So you have a collection of short stories coming out on Monday.
1: That's right. Except I think it might be Tuesday. I think I might oh. have given you that information. But well, well, Monday, we'll Tuesday, the next week—it's <laughs> out there. It's out there.
0: <laughs> you, like, we could get people looking on Monday and then buying on Tuesday. As that? Yeah, no,
1: it's it's available for. It's been available for purchase for about two weeks, as, as oh, far as I know. Okay. I don't know much because, like everybody else, I'm indoors all yes. the time. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, that's right? part of what I want to ask you about about art during the pandemic. Um, all right. This, the book is called the uh, and it's a collection of short stories, The Man mm-hmm. Who Loved His Wife. So, sure. how have you pulled this together during the pandemic? I, I'm I'm very fascinated with artists who who are working and producing during the pandemic. How did it all pull together?
1: Well, I I don't know um, how it is for other creative people, but for me, I'm I've um, I've never really liked other people, that <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I've so, always, so you're, I've you're, always you're, been you're... a homebody. I'll put it that way. I've always preferred uh. quietude and being home with my books and mm-hmm. my dogs mm-hmm. and my garden to sort of going out there in the hurly burly of the world. So, as my husband's pointed out a bazillion times, since the pandemic shut us all down, my life has changed actually very little because uh. all these years, I mean, I have grown children now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but since my eldest was born and he's 31, I, I quit my job when he was born mm. that I haven't had an actual job for 31 years. That but I, you've know, been writing, I've, you've been writing. Right. No, I've been working. I just yeah. haven't ha- been employed. Got it. So yeah. I haven't gone anywhere. Right. I haven't had the daily routine of going to the office and picking up my coffee and the corporate setting, you know, all my, of that. Right. Yeah. All of it. And so for me, um, going up to my third floor and sitting myself down at my computer doesn't, you know, is what I do anyway. So doing it during a pandemic made no di- made very very little difference in in my daily routine. So how
0: did so, you come to decide to pull your short stories together?
1: So the short stories um that that's that's sort of actually a three part or four part question, but I'll, I'll just go back to part one in my mind, which is that short stories were enormously popular uh, form in this country and in Europe as well for, um, all through the age of the great magazines, I'm going to say almost through the sixties, maybe even into the Mm seventies when fewer and fewer around the seventies and the eighties, fewer and fewer big magazines published them. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they, they couldn't quite compete with television. Um, so what had been an enormously popular form, um, sort of got pushed over into the corner with fewer outlets. That said, um, it's it's always been a natural form for me. So since I was – really, I started writing short stories in high school. Um, I'm not saying I'd want to read them now, but <laughs> it was just a form I, I naturally took to. And despite um, their, their having sort of no commercial or business appeal – they're a very natural form for me. I mean, I also write long form. I write, mm-hmm. I wrote, write novels and and I've written long form um, nonfiction as well. But for short stories, for me, are just they they're they're just a, a natural place to go. And so I started the, the the stories that make up the the thirteen stories that make up the collection, The Man Who Loved His Wife. Um, some of them were actually published like twenty years ago, and some of them were published much more. Recently, the most recent publication—one uh, of the stories—was published in a, in a magazine just two months ago. In other words, two months before the collection came out. So, <laughs> so I've been—I've been working on a, these stories for a, a long time, and they come—they come to me as a writer when they come to me, and I can't really force that. I, I have to wait for when the inspiration hits; it hits, and, and then I have to sit down and. Um, write the story while the story is being given to me which is how it feels it feels like the story is being given to me and i need to write it i need to pay attention to that voice that's coming in through me and then through through my hands as i type so the stories um when when i put the collection together as a collection i tried to choose stories that thematically uh, had a thematic consistency in this case uh, what it means to be a Jew in in the world today. What is it What is it to be Jewish in 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 our in our world now? Um, and so that's the theme that that runs through the stories. But I also try to balance the collection out, not only background um, the settings of the stories. So one one story, for example, is set in Europe, and another story is set in Long Island. Um, but the, the, who, who the stories are about? Are they about an adolescent boy who, who has his first crush? Um, the, the, the first story in the collection is about a survivor, not a Holocaust survivor, a refugee uh, who, who lands, an elderly refugee with all his terrible memories of, of the war, who, who lands as a young, young man um, through the port of New Orleans, and he's looking, sort of examining his life, um, and so there are different points of view in, in, in the collection. Various stories have different points of view, different characters. Each story is its, its own. They're like little novelettes. It's mm-hmm. its own encapsulated world with the characters who inhabit that drop of time and that drop, that place in the world. How, um,
0: how did it feel to go back over twenty years? And and review and, and feel like what what resonated most with you. What what was that process like for you?
1: It it wasn't as romantic as you make it sound. <laughs> <laughs> <Of course. laughs> it sounds really so wonderful. It um uh, it was it was as I said it was more trying to craft a balance in these stories because I I've, I've published. At this point in my many years uh, um, I've published probably eighty short stories over over the decades mm-hmm. um, in small magazines and literary magazines um, and of those eighties eighty or so stories, maybe thirty or thirty five of them do do are within a, a kind of Jewish framework mm-hmm. versus just not, you know something else um, so I, I really just looked at kind of looked at my CV and I went, oh yeah, that story would work well. Such and such a story would work well as an accompaniment, or you know, as, as, as um, you know, a different flavor from from the one that comes before.
0: What I always enjoy about you, Jennifer, is that you're able to be so clear-eyed about your writing. I mean, y- you always talked about it as a craft and something that that you have to work. You know, that that it's. It is work to create a good piece, and, and but on the oh I, yeah, it's I, work. I, And then, but you bounce, and I get into your writing, and it's these rich characters that are just amazing to get to know. Well,
1: thank you. Um, I mean, that's of course that's what all writers of, of fiction um, hope hope to put on the page, mm-hmm. and, and and many writers of nonfiction as well who bring us real life characters. Sure, sure. Um, that you want to empathize with the people on the page um then that that's the magic of reading right yes. you, you get to enter other worlds and and feel like you're inside you're inside somebody else's mind or family or town or place
0: and you can live there um, for for that and period you can of live time. there
1: yes. and you can live there, and sometimes it's not pleasant, and you right. put the book down like I don't want to live here anymore <laughs>
0: or I want to it's hard. And, but I want to know more. I mean you, you, right. you, create, that be like, you create that that intrigue that even though it's maybe hard, you, you want to be there to find out what are they learning what, what what's up with this? what what's you, you right. you're so a guide.
1: Like, right. So like with Faulkner, I don't know why Faulkner springs to Faulkner Faulkner's mm-hmm. really hard, but mm-hmm. right, we want to go there because Faulkner's a genius. Right. My, my work is not difficult for the reader. It just isn't. It, it's very um, accessible. It's very accessible. It's not I mean it's literary work. It's not bee treating. It's not it doesn't mm-hmm. dabble in stereotypes or like let's have sex on every other page to, right, So right. keep it or page Aliens, it's not yeah. dystopian, it's yeah. not genre work. It's it's high you know, it's high in literary with a capital lit kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but it's very, very accessible. Um and because that's um uh, that's, the, that, that's what I like to read. I like to read stuff that my my own tastes run to, again, sort of high-end, what I call literature with a capital L. Mm-hmm. But it's not – you know, Dickens is not hard. No. Dickens is hilarious. And, and he, um, he published his three magazines, right? Tolstoy is hard. Right. Well, didn't Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he was serialized. Yeah, he was yeah. serialized. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tolstoy is Tolstoy's not hard. Tolstoy is 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 kind of, you know, grand Russian master of – High Russian soap opera, and, right?
0: and his. It seems to me his belief was if you could it was that art was something if you could share and all whistle, you know <laughs> that that was right. art because it was a there was a commonality, uh, something that pulled us together that we could go yes, you know we feel this right. together, a, a, a kind art. of a community of art.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I, I to this day I firmly believe that great art is accessible. You know, is accessible to. All of us, mm-hmm. really, because it's really just a reflection of, of our common humanity. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's about being human and what it means to be human. Um, and so if it talks down to us, it's it's not really letting letting the rest of us in. And if it's just dumb, it's entertainment, which is fine, too. Right. I mean, right. there's nothing – entertainment is good. Look, I, I watch Netflix with as much pleasure <laughs> as the next girl. <laughs> so,
0: well, yeah. I, I wish we didn't have to take a break, but we have to take a break. Um, I love the fact that you're looking at doing – this is a deep dive into what it means to be Jewish um, and giving us access to that and – the stories are amazing and we'll be talking more about the stories in each of the upcoming segments so stay with us and stay with Jennifer and her uh, marvelous worlds that she brings to us. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz your host and joining us today is Jennifer Moses. She is author and a painter and all-around brilliant engaging artist. And we were talking in the first segment about the various worlds and the amazing characters that inhabit those worlds that she brings to us. Her work has been published in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. She's got this great book of a collection of short stories, The Man Who Loved His Wife. It's available now online. So you can go right now to either mayapplepress.com or amazon.com. Um, either Monday or Tuesday, it's coming to the, the booksellers. So you know, you, if you like going to bookstores, which I like to do, um, and that the retail bookstores is open and you can keep socially distanced, <laughs> go for it. Uh, because this is a great time during our, our slowdown in the world and taking a breath and during our pandemic to have a chance to read. And why not read a really good collection of short stories? Welcome, Jennifer. I'm so glad you're here today.
1: Me too. Yeah. <laughs> you go.
0: Here you go. Well, we, if, if there's something else that you want to share from what we were talking about, please feel free. Other, I do want to start t- having you tell us about – tell us a story about your stories.
1: Um, I actually do have a story okay. that I do want to share that, yeah. Laurie, you will completely understand. So, um <laughs> You and I met in high school yes. in Virginia. Yes, uh, but we didn't. Be, we didn't really get to know each other um, until our fortieth reunion some years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I'm if I'm no, outing No, age. no, no, no. You know,
0: we 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 are delightfully um, embracing uh, our sixties. I, I
1: I love I being love in it. my sixties.
0: Yes, I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes,
1: because I don't get, give a fig about the things I used to care about. <laughs> so, but anyway, so you and I went to high school in McLean, Virginia. Uh-huh. And we um we were the home of the Langley Saxons. <laughs> right? The Saxons. I mean, how how white friend and, could we get? <laughs> yeah, right. So, um when I when I first, you know, started dating my husband who who like me is Jewish uh-huh. and he grew up in a in in a um suburb of Philadelphia that was probably you know, quarter Jewish, like there were Jews uh-huh. around. Uh-huh. Um he just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. It is. And, of course, I didn't get it. I Growing up, I didn't get how funny that was for me personally. We're celebrating I mean, Anglo-Saxons. Yes, and and that had been my, my entire school environment until I went to college in Boston uh-huh. where there were other Jews. Yeah. And I didn't even know that my upbringing was not typical uh. For American Jewish kids, who not, I mean, there of course there's there's every variety, mm-hmm. but most I would say most American Jews, even the very non-religious, um, typically live in suburbs where there are at least a handful of other Jewish families mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or cities or wherever, mm-hmm. but not you know not in the the capital you know, the 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 very center of Anglo Saxon, waspy, horsey, (laughs) you know, American
0: lifestyle. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um and and I I I experienced no anti Semitism growing up, but it wasn't again till I went to college that I realized like, oh, that's why I never quite felt like I fit Mm -hmm. (laughs) it, It wasn't again, it was not because I experienced as I said, I didn't. I didn't experience anything icky, anything racist or anti-Semitic, or I experienced the usual junk that kids experience sure. at the hands of other kids. But that's normal. Um, but so, that
0: sense of the Jewish community was not part we didn't have one. of your. Yeah, of. of
1: I didn't know any out. Jews outside my own family, mm-hmm. and we were German Jews uh, mm. in Yiddish. The, the the expression is Yeki. Mm-hmm. A Yeki is a German Jew, meaning a German Jew. When if if a, if a non-German Jew, if a, uh, I mean, we're all in America, American Jews, but mm-hmm. our ancestry is different. We come from different parts of the globe. My family came mainly from German lands, and German Jews were considered by Yiddish-speaking Jews to be Yekis. Yeki is the word that <laughs> in is a Yiddish word that means German Jew, mm-hmm. but it has a very negative connotation it means stuck up uh-huh. Is just what it really that's the connotation it uh-huh. means stuck up so i was from this family who we didn't use yiddish and we didn't um we were waspier than wasps right so we were not emotive we were we were you know um pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps we we skied without and if we lost our mittens it was too bad, <laughs> stiff upper lip, that kind of thing. Sure. And um so so it this was not natural to my to my genetic inheritance, uh. which I didn't know. <laughs> Wait a minute, something years missing later here. <laughs> right? So and I'm of course I'm joking about my genetic inheritance. Yeah, yeah. But when no. I discovered Jewish and Yiddish literature and history, it was just um it was like a it was like a revolution inside my soul. It's like oh, I'm I'm home now inside the pages of these books,
0: and and, and a celebration
1: of that. Yeah, and then I began writing it myself. Right, right. Then I began kind of um, this is what we were talking about in the earlier segment that mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that writing and and really all art is is an awful lot of hard work, and that's that's uh, incontestable. However, it's two-sided. You get good enough at it. You do it enough, and it begins to flow through you. So, for example, I know um, you were a a very accomplished childhood pianist. You you shared that with me before. (laughs) I started playing the piano at the age of 50, so I'm not so accomplished, but I, I do have a marvelous teacher who has banged it into my head that the flow comes after you put in your requisite 10,000 hours, right? Right, right. Well, I put in my 10,000 hours writing incredibly bad, you name it, writing, you know, all my youthful writing. You know, I probably had put that 10,000 hours in before I was 30. So by the time I'm 30, I began in my 30s to get into that flow state, not all the time at all. Mm -hmm. The flow Mm -hmm. state comes from the work. So the stories in this collection, The Man Who Loved His Wife, are largely a result of that flow state. I did not work these stories. They just, every single one of them just came through me. When I write long work novels, it's a different deal. Uh I can't, you know, I've never sustained a flow that goes, you know, 300 (laughs) pages. But for 12 or 15 or 20 pages, the, the stories tend to come out whole. And then I go back and I edit them. Um, because there's always there's always it's usually for me it means I need to tighten I've I've overwritten here and there but the story comes out complete like the blueprint is com- is complete the foundation and is there and there's
0: a strong trajectory I mean you, you you are able to have that that beginning middle and end sensibility that you know can take place over a longer period in a novel but right. you you create that um moment that is enough heightened intensity that 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 we can dip in uh and be in that right. world
1: and for me it's it's um it's not at this point anything cerebral or conscious when it happens um for me like that where i sort of just start in the morning and by the by the end of the day or maybe by the end of the next day i've given birth to a story it's um it, it, it comes out as if by nature, as if, or as if I'm taking dictation from God. Um, but that's after, again, after, you know, uh, banging my head against the computer for 50-odd for years. So it didn't It didn't just – I didn't just sit down as a child genius. Right? Right. I wasn't – who could just – or, you know, as a as, you, as, 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 uh, Mozart. Or, you've done your scales.
0: You've worked your scales. so Exactly. Like that, I mean, so even, the even Mozart – yeah.
1: You know, as, as you know, again, as a musician, Mozart, it's sort of the, um, the truism, the, pep, the, the, the popular idea about Mozart was he just took, took down the notes, right? He yeah. famously said he took down the notes. But he did take down the notes, but that was after he spent, you know, <laughs> golly, years right. and years and years and years and years studying and practicing and practicing and studying and working his butt off. When it, when it, um, when and it, he was a genius. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, when, yeah. The, <laughs> the, yeah, the, and that.
0: The, and there's that too. Uh, but the, the characters. I'm I'm fascinated how the characters come to you. Um, and are they? They just come. <laughs> are they the? Because they're so distinct, and they have such a richness. And and when you say birthing. Um, it does feel like these characters have were born fully formed, um, with such dimension. Well, they,
1: yeah, they feel like that. Actually, I have. Um, I love to tell the story. So, my baby boy, who's twenty seven, um, is in graduate school now. But he had, he and he is on campus. He's doing it in person, kind of. But he came home. He had a he had a month long winter break, and so he came home and i needed i needed new eyes on the it was the manuscript was still in it, it was still in page and i needed somebody to do a final proofreading of it i'd proofed it the editor had proofed it the sub editor had proofed it and we'd all gone blind proofing and i'm a terrible <laughs> proofreader anyway yeah. and i asked jonathan my son to 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 do it for me and he did which was immensely uh, helpful he but after he'd read the first two or three stories he said mom mommy how did you do that and i pointed out towards the i just kind of pointed out towards the sky and jonathan is a very spiritual he's actually an orthodox jew he's kind of orthodox hippie um (laughs) uh, he's immersed in jewish studies and he's lived in israel and so forth and he's uh he um he just got it like uh, okay <laughs> right he gets it because he's he's oriented that way like you know like a, i would say a business person a typical really smart business person or a great lawyer wouldn't get that just pointing mm-hmm. to the sky cuz they people with that kind of um mind very uh located in the left brain mm-hmm. um, don't experience that kind of downloading thing right they're working from a different part of their brain
0: or maybe <laughs> maybe you're working more from your heart.
1: I don't. It. I. Yeah. yeah it's. Um. It feels that way. Yeah. I, I. I imagine a neurologist would have something to say about that. It does <laughs> yes, feel like it. It, it yeah. feels like it's coming from a very deep place. You know, right. it's not in my heart. It's from my kishkas, which yeah. is again a Yiddish word. The soul. It means guts. No, it yeah. means gut. Gut. Like okay. something like deep. It's like your intuitions and your your inner inner knowing, right? That, um, like, like um, you know, sometimes you feel like my you, you have a gut reaction. Yes. To your stomach yes. knows when before your brain does.
0: And, and sometimes the little hair is on the back of your neck and just, there's just mm-hmm. something that that sets off and, and 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 there I believe at some point we'll be able to scientifically know what that is to a certain degree. I mean, animals have it. There is there is something Absolutely. that that connects us in a deeper way than we don't understand and that we're able to sense and connect and communicate in ways that. That are of beyond course. verbal and and beyond even knowing
1: it well, it. well, right. I mean, our our present day uh, system in the United States, for better and for worse, kind of pushes all that stuff aside. But right. think, well, of course we are. Of course we're connected, right. you know, non verbally and intuitively and energetically and and all that stuff. And our ancestors knew that. Yes. Um, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I need to take a break again. But okay. we will be soon. back and we okay. will talk more. I want to make sure the audience knows it's The Man Who Loved His Wife. Available now. You can go to Amazon or you can go to the mayapplepress.com Coming out in the bookstores next week. Fabulous collection of short stories. You must get it. You must read it. So we'll be right back and we'll talk more with Jennifer about her work. Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And joining me today is Jennifer Moses. We've been talking about her brilliant new collection of short stories, The Man Who Loved His Wife. And as we were talking about, it's really about Jews being Jewish, as you have said in some of your promotional materials, um, as the subject matter of these stories. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to make sure the audience knows you can get this online right now. Uh, So you can go to mayapplepress.com or Amazon. And we're just having a wonderful time just getting to know how you put these stories together, what the Mm -hmm. stories are about, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And this collection, you've shared that it's, whether it's in Tel Aviv or New Jersey or the Deep South, um, how are these characters grappling with God? Their loved ones, fate, death, hope. Hitler, Transcendence, and 4,000-year-old History of Judaism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Just that. Just that. <laughs> just a few. Yeah, it's, just, you know. it's Jews being Jews, but <laughs> let me um, add, if I might, that yes. it's Jews being Jews the way the Neapolitan Italian characters in, in Alana Ferranti's novels are distinctly Neapolitan, mm-hmm. but they're, they're us. They're, right. right. they're they're, they're just all us. Right, so it's not as if only it's it's no, not. This it, is not it, a Jewish no, book no, 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 no. for a and, Jewish audience no, no, only.
0: No. It, but it, it it's rich in culture, and right, it, and it's. it's
1: yeah, if you want to know, like, right, it gives you a flavor what yes. it's like to live inside a Jewish skin rather than a non-Jewish skin. But um, And
0: I love cultural, Yeah, you know, a lot of the work that I do outside of radio is what we call cultural intelligence. How do we keep mm-hmm. learning about cultures? And the more mm-hmm. cultural savvy we have, the better we are at really being um, connected and empathetic right. and understanding and you know we keep breaking barriers of what we think in mm-hmm. our head and i love that i love being able mm-hmm. to keep you know widening our, our perspectives widening our horizons of exploring mm-hmm. the world and, and you give us such access to that
1: well that's the american promise yes and dream right that's yes. that's sort of what we do here when well, when we do it <laughs> well
0: yeah, our country was was right. founded on an idea Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I mean, what what countries are founded on an idea? An idea mm-hmm. of that we're all equal. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're all equal, gosh, let's get to know each other's mm-hmm. <laughs> culture and celebrate there, it. There you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the stories. Um okay. I loved Uncircumcised. Let's let's start with that one, but then we'll we'll oh, go back
1: uncircumcised.
0: to We'll go to the the Holy Messiah maybe and get to the Teacher, okay. but let's start with I just adored it. So tell me more.
1: Okay. Thank you. So the Uncircumcised, I actually want, I originally called this collection the Uncircumcised uh-huh. after this this lead story. And the editor, my editor said, <laughs> uh, the publisher said, we can't call it that because I'll get cuckoo crazy yes. postings from like weird sex stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like no. You, well, she said, "Yeah, yeah. Trust me, we will." So I left it as the, you know, the, the <laughs> as the title of, of the particular short story, but it is not the title of the collection. So the Uncircumcised uh, is the story of an elderly man named Felder, who lives in Baton Rouge. He, he's a um, refugee. His entire family is murdered by Nazis when he's a a young teenager. And the story opens in Baton Rouge um, right as he has been given a a dog as a pet. His his, um, middle-aged kind of fussy, henpecky kind of daughter um, has given him this, this dog so he can have company. It's a golden retriever, and he immediately gets the idea that, that the golden retriever is the reincarnation of his dead older sister, um, who he doesn't know. He never knew what happened to her, but he, he does know that she disappeared in Belsen, Belsen, and so he assumes that um, she was murdered by the Nazis. So he the, the story really unfolds as... Um, as 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 a the story about his relationship with this dog who he he loves, and his relationship with his past, and his relationship with his fussing middle aged daughters, who who kind of want to infantilize him, and mm-hmm. that's not what he wants for himself. So why is it in Baton Rouge of all places, right, Louisiana? Right. It's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, of all places, because I lived there for 13 years. My husband and I mainly raised our children there. We now live in New Jersey. And I had a little mutt, a little rescued dog named Marion. And pretty much every day I walked Marion around City Park, which was near our house. And I was walking Marion one day, and it just came to me that I could write a a story about a Yiddish-speaking dog. (laughs) I love it. And, and that's, where, that's where it ended. And I was like, oh, what a great idea. Uh-huh. And it just, that was it. Uh-huh. It was just this idea. And I tried it this way, I tried it that way, I got a paragraph here, I got a paragraph there, and it just stopped. I was like, okay, it's not happening. And then I went on to do whatever else I was doing. And years later, I sat down, I went back to that story, I saw the first paragraph only, and the whole rest of the, of the story came out within about, you know, in one day. It just flowed right through. So that story, so Baton Rouge, where we lived all those years, um, is a city these days of over 300,000, I believe. It's a majority black city these days. It wasn't when we moved there. It was always close. Now it's majority black. And um, in in that, among those 300,000 um citizens of, of the city versus the parish uh, of baton rouge um there are maybe a thousand jews mm-hmm. so it wasn't really you know baton rouge is not actually a, a center of jewish or yiddish culture <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not you're not a big community <laughs> no there. yeah tell Tel me uh, no not yeah, so yeah, much yeah, right? Not like, right you know brooklyn uh-huh. so um but we did have a very very close knit and wonderful Jewish community, and and it, it was it was lovely lovely in many ways. But that's where that story came from. That was like the the germ of the story. But you know, meanwhile I was reading and I still read everything I can get my hands on um, from Yiddish literature. Everything that I can get, my, meaning everything that's been translated into English, because I do not know Yiddish myself. Mm-hmm. I I know the common Yiddish um, words that most uh, jews um at least in the east you know most that, that many americans know that have been brought to us and you know from from everybody from woody allen to seinfeld on tv mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so so the sort of common uh yiddish words have filtered out into american english um so i know that stuff but i don't know yiddish i do i do speak hebrew um but hebrew is a semitic language it has nothing to do with yiddish which is right. really a german language so um, but well, that—that's where that story came from, and it, it's a very, very, very sad story. Yeah, it's a, its a—you t- know—it's very sad. Um, there's a moment in the story where the Elder Felder is um, being asked. There, there's like a. a, a there's a. Uh, well, he's being asked by young students. Was was was. The Holocaust, something like racism and Rouge today, uh, and he like like, you know, he just explodes. He's like, yeah. no, <laughs> you <Yeah. Right? laughs> know, no, no. Yeah. no. So um, he he he's short tempered with uh, these sort of um, and and yet the and
0: yet the connection to Esther, uh, or he, he doesn't yeah. call his dog Esther though, right? Um, but he he does. Oh, he does. He okay, does. that's right. So he, he, the connection to Esther. Um, in her stillness, in her statue-like, I mean, she's she's there in such a presence that...
1: Well, the that, dog talks back to him, yeah, right? He, yeah. In his mind, we yeah. don't know, you know, in his mind, the dog is a reincarnation yeah. of his sister, period, yeah. you yep. know, straight up. Just, his daughters, meanwhile, think he's gone cuckoo, you know, that yeah. he's yeah, yeah. very demented. The reader, I don't know what the reader thinks, I think the reader just goes along with it, and... It, and they're they're talking about old times, and she tells him what happened to her, her, and they're having these conversations in Yiddish. Of course, I don't read or write Yiddish, so uh-huh. what I'm writing as the author is English, uh, Yiddish-sounding English. Right, what I call right. English, you know, American English with Yiddish. So no, you're going to tell me what happened, right? No, that, it, no, it's, it's got I, an accent.
0: When I read it, I I believed. I mean, I didn't think the dog was really talking. I believed he went to place when he was with his dog that allowed him to connect that way.
1: And that, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's in the mind of the reader. However, the reader takes the relationship. I, um, as the author, I wasn't really, as I, as I said earlier, I don't really think it through. My, my Uh guts are doing, my guts are taken over by the time I'm, I'm that deep into Uh the writing of the story. Um, it's when my head takes over when I'm writing that I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you, you don't want to go into that uh. neighborhood. Was, name, 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 name. Um, so, yeah. So Felder is, is kind you know, it's a, a kind of tragic, um, terror, kind of tragic figure, but also, uh, a kind of, um, tragic comic figure Yes. The, the, um, the great, great masters of Yiddish literature, um, all of them from Heimrad to to both the singer brothers there's I there's famously I, Isaac the a singer but his brother um, and I'm blocking on his name was also a master of, of the, the Yiddish form all the great masters of, of Yiddish from derister um, so and so forth they they basically wrote in the sort of tragic comedic form that's what they did it was it it, it always had that sprinkling of both um, and to the degree that my own short story this this lead story in the collection does that um, which is what I I had aimed to do mm-hmm. is because I've read so many of the masters mm-hmm. and, and and they get they get in they get into you you know <laughs> they get inside and and they start talking to you Um so uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to be imitated. No, it's, no, it's no, no. Rhythm. It's very rich. It's a rhythm. Yeah. It's, a, it's more like a rhythm, a way of of seeing the world as it's, tragic. It's not black. It's not white. It's always that man. It's
0: both. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> and with that, I need to take my last break for our show. Um, we're talking with Jennifer Moses, who has uh, compiled a collection of short stories, The Man Who Loved His Wife. You can go to Amazon.com or MapleApplePress.com and get it online, and it'll be coming to our bookstores early next week. So stay with us. We have one more wonderful chance to be talking with Jennifer and her book. Um. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori Fitz, and we have been... Having a wonderful conversation with Jennifer Moses, who's both an author and painter. Uh, She, her work's been in all kinds of wonderful places in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. She's got a collection of short stories. Uh, It's available right now. If you want to go and order it, I encourage you to do that. Go right online to either Amazon.com or MayApplePress.com. It's coming out in the bookstores early next week. And I uh, blew through most of our commercial breaks, Jennifer, (laughs) because I was Mm -hmm. enjoying our conversation. So we only have really a few minutes left uh, to talk about your book. Uh, I also want to encourage people not only um, to go and look at her book and buy the book, but go to her website, JenniferAnnMosesArts.com, and get to know her other work, too. You've got some beautiful books and um, essays and great things that, that folks should know about. That, that you've given to us. <laughs> Thank you. So in, in in these last three minutes or so. Three minutes. Yes, okay. I've got three minutes. Um, why don't you just share some of the other topics in the stories, just kind of top line, what other things that we can find okay. in A Man Who Loved His Wife.
1: So, there, it, as I said, it's 13 stories, and each of them is quite different from the other. There's only one story in the collection that comes um, both from life and sort of from the headlines. But that story is called The Teacher. Uh-huh. And The Teacher is the story of a teacher at a private school, a fancy private day school in a fancy cushy suburb in Virginia. <laughs> um, hmm, I uh, think I know that so school. <laughs> I went to, I myself went to a private school. My parents, I my parents were cuckoo crazy. They um. sent their Jewish daughter to this basically an English public school uh-huh. in, in Virginia where like everyone had their own horse and a house in Maine. And, um, nobody was even brunette, let alone like Jewish. <laughs> it was Whatever. It was a crazy decision. I, 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 I absolutely we wore know. uniforms. We played, you know, we wore uniforms. We uh-huh. sang around the Maypole and we sang Latin songs and we played field hockey, but not me. Cause I was uh-huh. a bad athlete. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, during my time there, nothing in this happened to me or to any of my siblings. There was a teacher, a very popular teacher of, I think he taught history. And when I was in middle school there, the rumors started flying around him. Um, and I had, my best friend had a sister who had had a strange incident with him, but we weren't really allowed to talk about it. Well, 40 years later, there are headlines uh, coming out that this same actual real man, um, was still teaching, and a woman now in her 50s had seen him going into another private school and said, That's the same man who raped me uh. when I was 13, or something like that. I, I might be getting the details wrong. And she sees that this, she, 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 what is he doing out with children, right? And she started things up. She was very brave, and she, eventually, he was finally um, there was a trial. And many, many of his young, then very young victims, now middle aged or older women, testified, and some didn't because it was too traumatic. And so the story is actually based on that. Wow. So it's sort of based on being my own my own lived experience of being this out, sort of outcast Jewish kid in this ultra waspy little school where, like, only like he wanted to be in with this teacher. He was considered the coolest of the cool. And, and Jennifer, and
0: Jennifer, I've got thirty. Are we seconds. done? I've got thirty. <laughs> I wish I could so have a whole story. other hour.
1: <laughs> so my former classmates are going like crazy. They want to know, did it happen uh, to you? Yes. I'm like, it's fiction. It's fiction, dude. It? It's
0: fiction. And with that, I have to leave it with. Go buy The Man Who Loved His Wife. You can get it at the mayapplepress.com and Amazon.com. I promise to bring Jennifer back because there's so much more that we need to talk about with Jennifer. Thanks for joining us today on Connections Radio Show. Have a great week, and we'll get connected next week.